Welcome back to another episode of Minds of Medicine, a medical education podcast that delivers the stories of healthcare leaders, as well as perspective into the ever-changing field of medicine and healthcare. As always, I'm your host, Sonny, and today's guest is Dean Kibbe, the Dean of UVA School of Medicine, Editor-in-Chief of JAMA Surgery, and a vascular surgeon scientist. Enjoy, and we hope you learn something. So Dean Kibbe, I want to start by just kind of thanking you for being on the podcast with us today. Thank you so much. It's so fun to be here. I want to just dive right in and, you know, start with what led you to medicine in the first place? Yeah, so my path um, was different from most medical students in the sense that my path was really guided by several very discrete events. So when I was in high school, when I was a freshman in high school, is when I was examined for scoliosis, like all kids are in high school. And they found that I had a very severe curvature of my spine. And before I knew it, I was in a surgeon's office. And before I knew it, I was in the operating room. And the surgeon basically fixed me. And that whole experience of having the surgeon fix my problem was so impactful. I mean, I have nobody in medicine in my family, but it's that event where I said, I want to be a surgeon. Now, I said I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Um, it was only later when I realized what orthopedic surgery was, and I realized maybe not that specialty, but the surgery aspect really stuck with me. Wow. So it's from the jump that, I guess that experience just shaped your entire life and, and career. When you realized that, you know, surgery was the goal for you, how did you kind of get to vascular surgery? Yeah. So another pivotal event. So um, I went through college, of course, thinking uh, surgery. And that's when I realized maybe not orthopedic surgery. So probably, you know, uh, more general surgery or one of those specialties. So then I applied to medical school. Um, I was at University of Chicago and I got in also to University of Chicago. And I was in my first year. And this is back when we had traditional lectures. <laughs> and I was a first-year medical student sitting in the lecture hall. And one of the vascular surgeons came and gave a lecture on atherosclerosis. And then showed at the end of the lecture a video on uh, basically doing a carotid endarterectomy which for those of you who don't know what that is, it's when you have plaque buildup in your carotid artery in the neck and the plaque can break off and cause strokes. And so the procedure is to dissect out the artery and then to peel the plaque out and sew the artery back up. And I was so taken by both the whole pathophysiology of atherosclerosis and how it forms. And once I saw the video, it was like game over. I knew I wanted to do that. <laughs> and it's so corny. I still remember turning to my friend and saying, I'm going to be a vascular surgeon as a first year medical student. I love it. And it stuck, right? It stuck for the whole rest of medical school, all through residency. Um, and that's what's amazing because this is the atypical path. It probably is a sign of just who I am in my whole career. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like the typical path, as you mentioned, is, is typically, you know, you come in with some type of interest, 
And then you completely pivot your third year when you start rotations. Exactly Uh, right. That's what most medical students do. During that entire time, I've noticed that you have an incredible research platform. How did you start shaping your research career while also focusing on your clinical aspects and trying to be the best surgeon you can be? Yeah. In a a similar light, I also had a pivotal experience (laughs) in research. And that has also dictated why I am a, a physician scientist or rather surgeon scientist. So in undergrad, you know how a lot of undergrads you'll take uh, you know, a summer or two to do research. So I decided to join a, a neuroscience research lab at University of Chicago. And as a little undergrad, I still look back at this and go, wow, I can't believe this. But they um, empowered me or rather trusted me as a little undergrad to actually dissect out the circle of Willis in the rat brain. Wow. Okay, so one, it was validating for my technical skills Mm -hmm. to want to be a surgeon. But two, um, we were investigating this protein that no one knew anything about at the time, but I'm sure you know about it now, BNP. Wow. Exactly. And so I was, this was, you know, in the... um, late 80s, <laughs> to give you context. And so uh, the research I did was mapping out the distribution of BMP in the circle of Willis okay. and in the heart through immunohistochemistry. And that whole process of discovery research kind of, you know, combined with the surgical aspect of dissecting out the circle <laughs> intact because no one else can do it because I was not drinking coffee yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is such a powerful um, thing for me. Mm. And so I knew that I wanted to contribute to um, the evolution of science and how we care for patients from that experience. So that also stuck. That's incredibly impressive because you, not just like the technical skills, but you need to know the anatomy, like the back of your hand to be able to do that. Wow. That's awesome. And I'm, I'm, Glad that at least someone people gave you the opportunities. As an undergrad, can yeah. you believe that? But I was dissecting <laughs> out the, the rat brain circle of most. It was hilarious because the other um, postdocs and research in the lab literally were all like on <laughs> caffeine and handshaking under the microscope. I was the newbie and the only one who could really actually get it dissected out without breaking it. Oh. And so yeah. it was yeah, it was validating on so many different levels, and I just really enjoyed it. So all of that, all of those pivotal experiences led you to becoming the vascular surgery scientist. Yeah. And, you know, if I read off a list of your accolades, it would probably look like a CVS receipt in the length of it. Uh, how did, what kept you going throughout the entire time? Did you ever feel like you were focusing too much on one thing while you were trying to build another? Yeah, no, it's what still keeps me going to this day. Um, I love patient care mm-hmm. and taking care of patients, it's that gratification of being able to help somebody else. It's very rewarding. At the same time, I love research and I really, the ability to have an impact to improve how we care for patients is what drives and motivates me. So I could never give up either one. And I love the balance that I've been able to strike with both. Um, it, is it a lot of hard work and is it challenging yes, <laughs> to maintain that balance, but it's so rewarding. And I would 
recommend this path for anyone. Yeah. And then as you're building your entire career, you know, you're building it piece by piece. Was the prospect of ever becoming a dean of a school of medicine on the horizon? Was that something you were interested in or how did that go about happening? Yeah, I am often asked that. Um, and I would say, yes, I would say, you know, the questions, you know, before this, I was a chair of a department mm-hmm. of surgery and I was asked a lot, you know, had I always wanted to lead a department of surgery. And I will say that the answer is yes, probably from my residency days. However, when I reflect on me and my personality, I will tell you, I have always been all the way dating back to grade school. <laughs> I've always been that person who is out there organizing the dodgeball games, you know, as a little fifth grader. I've always in high school was the one, you know, organizing the field trips. Mm-hmm. Um, it, as a resident, whenever I would see problems, I was always the one trying to solve the problems, rotation problems, you know, call schedule, you name it. I've just been that person who when I see something that needs to be fixed, I just want to get in there and fix it to help other people. And so I would say that when I was probably a resident is where I started having the first inklings that eventually, you know, in my career, I was going to probably want to lead a department. Wow. Um, I'm not quite sure when I, I can pinpoint that I knew I wanted to lead a school of medicine. It was probably sometime in my early, very early faculty career. Mm-hmm. Um, but just being able to have an impact on such a broad audience from our students, our medical students, our graduate students, our master's students, to all the faculty and to all the patients in our community, it is truly rewarding. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I was going to want to do this. And you kind of alluded to this a little, but I'd really like to get a better understanding of what the role of a dean of a school of medicine is, because it seems like your day-to-day varies so much. Is If you kind of had to give a synopsis of like a, you know, somewhat of a job description, yeah, what would so, that look like? Well, so the easy part is, you know, I still maintain a small clinical practice for okay. patients and I operate every other Friday. Um, I am definitely maintaining my research lab, and actually today's Tuesday tends to be a lot of my uh, the time with my research lab. And then the rest of the time is leading the School of Medicine on all of our missions, and whether it's you know managing our clinical mission, taking care of patients, whether it's um, our research mission, growing it, education, uh, <laughs> focused on all of our students and our different degree granting programs in our trying to help our community. You are correct in that what I'm doing, not only day to day, but hour to hour is highly variable. Mm-hmm. And what it means is to be able to do all this, I have to have an amazing group of people. Yeah. I do. I have an amazing group of people that really help to get everything done to manage this school. That's incredible. And it's so important, like you said, to have those right people around you, because when you're away from something, there needs to be a lot of trust to know that someone's handling what you need to be handled. As now you're kind of, I guess, at the forefront of shaping the future of medical education in the next 15, 20, 30 years, what do you really think that that's going to look like? I do think that medical education has evolved so much since I was a medical student. As I described to you, you know, I sat in an auditorium 
listening to lectures for the first two years, yeah. I still have vivid memories of studying in the library until midnight every night, you know, cramming. It's very different now. And I think it's a very good thing that it's different. You have much more um, hands-on experience um, with, with patient care uh, instead of just looking at books for the first mm -hmm. two years. I think that the future, you know, things like, We've been having a lot of discussions about AI, yeah. you know, and the introduction of AI into our world. And I do think that it's going to have a considerable impact, not just on our education. It's going to have a considerable impact in the delivery of medical care. Mm -hmm. I mean, the obvious areas right now are things like radiology and pathology, where, you know, AI could really... Um, start revolutionizing, you know, reading all of the CAT scans, yeah. MRs, imaging, or pathology slides. Um, think about Watson. Yeah. When you Jeopardy. have right, a, a symptom, um, you don't even need to physically go in. You could just have a virtual video with a, a Dr. Watson mm -hmm. <laughs> who can then diagnose you probably as well as most physicians. So I think in your lifetime, we're going to see a tremendous evolution of medical care. Will we get to what I call Star Trek medicine? Um, not in my lifetime. <laughs> Potentially in your lifetime, because uh, I, I would love to see us get there. Uh, when I say I am a total self-professed uh, nerd, by the way. So all things Star Trek, Star Wars, you name it. <laughs> you know, I know people on the podcast can't see this, but I was going to ask about this eventually because there's a Darth Vader statue <laughs> in the back of your office. There's multiple, actually, if you take a look. Oh, there are? Okay. <laughs> if you see over there, there's, there's more. I love it. It's actually funny because my first ever podcast episode on this was while I was in Boston um, with this guy named Chris Wynn. He is now the director of biomedical imaging at Cleveland Clinic. Um, and it was all on cardiac, or AI and cardiac imaging. And he actually used that same line. He was like, do I think it's going to be Star Trek in, in medicine? Uh, so we would not want a tricorder <laughs> over you and diagnose what you're promised and then put you into a pod. It scans you and then fixes your ailment. I would love to live in that era. I, I would as well. <laughs> I'd be out of a job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This is incredible. I think... The overarching theme that I've gotten so far from talking to you is that there's been a lot of pivotal moments in your path that have shaped your experience and you've just kind of built it piece by piece with this, you know, eventual goal in mind um, and a strong drive to, to keep going. Uh, what advice do you have for medical students or trainees at my stage? Yeah, my advice is follow your passion. It's so important in this world that you are doing what you're passionate about. And you and I had an opportunity to talk about your own path. I think one of these days we need, we need to do a podcast <laughs> on you. <laughs> um, but follow your passion and don't let anyone tell you that you can't pursue something. And this is really, really important, especially for, I will say, um, female medical students. Um, folks who are underrepresented in medicine, some of our foreign medical grads, because oftentimes it's those populations that are told they can't do something. No. And it really upsets me. You can do whatever you put your heart and mind to. So I say just follow your passion and you will have one of the most rewarding careers ever. That's incredible. Well, Dean Kibbe, 
I want to just thank you for your time. I think this has been an awesome experience and uh, it's been so good getting to know you. Thank you so much. This is really fun. I look forward to, to listening to this and to other podcasts <laughs> that you have made. <laughs> It'll be a good time. Thanks, Dean Kibbe. All right. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, let us know. We always appreciate all the shares on social media, so keep those coming. Until next time.